Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders that are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders and teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and doing it predictably and sustainably. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Scipio. The number one challenge every salesperson faces right now is how to have more conversations with more potential customers and land more appointments. And that's why you've got to go check out Scipio today. I've had too many sales leaders tell me how Scipio has transformed their ability to make contact with customers faster and easier than ever before that I had to go check them out myself. Salespeople using Scipio see a 5x improvement in landing appointments and a 40% lift in show rates. And that means more conversations, which we all know means more sales. Listen, everything has changed in the last year. And that means the way you connect with customers needs to change too. Scipio has the best automated texting platform for building personalized relationships at scale that I have ever seen. But don't take my word for it. Head over to Scipio at Scipio.com and use the code SPRINGFREE for one month on the plan of your choice courtesy of the Sales Leadership Podcast. Again, that's Scipio, S-K-I-P-I-O.com and use SPRINGFREE to find out just how good a modern messaging platform can be. The Sales Leadership Podcast is also brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. We help sales leaders make how they lead their most defensible competitive advantage. It doesn't matter if you're a new manager, a first-time VP of sales, or a seasoned sales leadership executive. We're all facing new challenges, and if you need someone to talk shop with, I've got you. If you want to become an elite, legendary sales leader for the team you lead, hit me up. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we're joined by a guest I am super excited about. Davida Ginter is CEO and co-founder of Enkindle Global. Now, Davida's team supports leaders and organizations worldwide in burnout prevention and in the building of emotional resilience. Burnout is happening more than ever right now as a result of the changes from the COVID pandemic, and I've been looking for a specialist to bring to the show to talk about this important challenge for a while now. And in addition, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, so the timing has never been better to bring Davida to the show. She's literally written the book on burnout with her book, Burning Out Won't Get You There. She is a highly sought-after speaker, a well-known expert, and someone I've been trying to get on our show for a long time, and I am pumped that she's joining us today. Davida, welcome to our show, and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Rob. I'm delighted to be here today. I, uh, I, I'll tell you how excited I am to have you on our show, Davida. You, uh, you are from Israel, right? And um, I'm recording from Salt Lake City, so it is about midnight for me. And uh, you are worth staying up for to record because I'm so excited to get your perspective on this topic. So, so thank you once again for joining us. Excellent. I'm really excited to be here. Well, why don't we start by having you introduce yourself uh, and what you do for your customers with your team at Kindle Global. Uh, we got a lot of sales leaders that are going to be excited to hear your story. And I think if you could just introduce yourself and your firm just a little bit, that would be great. Yeah, Absolutely. I am I'm a systems shaker. I love to shake systems. I like to make change from bottom up and from uh, up to bottom. We work with 
individuals as well as with organizations and systems uh, of different kinds. And what we do is we go after the deep process to understand together with the teams what um, are they struggling with, uh, what are their pain points um, for stressors and challenges, but then what is their vision around well-being? And then how do we bridge the gap between those two points? And that's where the deep and fun and creative work starts because we really love to make it participatory and tap into their, their wisdom and their ideas and solutions. And then they own it. And then they are committed to make this change and, like I said, shake the system and prevent burnout way before hitting the wall. I like that. I'm a system shaker. You're the first person to tell me that. I like that a lot. I, <laughs> I, can't get, I can't wait to get into some of your tactics on how you shake things up and, and, and really get after this phenomenon of, of burnout. But um, burnout is a really, it's a very real topic and it's become more real in the last year or so. But before we get into it, I'm very interested in what your journey was like that led you to becoming such a, a fantastic burnout specialist. Yeah, so I came to work with this almost by coincidence, if I were to believe in coincidence, which I'm not. <laughs> I am coming from the field of um, sustainability and leadership. So I was helping, supporting leaders in mobilizing social change. And while doing this work in the last uh, decade or so, I've noticed so many of my colleagues, as well as the people I've been working with, uh, leaders, uh, social impact leaders, entrepreneurs, um, CEOs, activists, I've noticed so many of them get stressed out and then burned out in that process. And I found it very ironic that people who care so much about sustainability forget to sustain themselves. You know, they, we care so much about other people and the environment and other entire communities, and we neglect this bit of self-care. And so I went to explore this. I thought I'm going to write an article, an interview. A few people, it turned out to be a book. Uh, which you mentioned before. Yeah, that's how it happened. And nice. from there, it's, yeah, from there, it was a very natural journey to uh, gather a team and start doing something practical with this knowledge. And that's how in Kindle Global was born the organization. And that's our mission to support people, organizations with burnout prevention. So what started as an article turned into a book and then turned into a company. And now you're shaking systems around the world. Pretty much. I love it. Yeah, my, this is going to be fantastic. Well, thank you again for joining us. Let's start. We're going to talk about burnout today. And I thought a great way to start is if you could define it. You know, I think burnout might mean different things to different people. And as someone who's literally written the book on it, how do you define burnout? Yeah, so there are quite a few definitions. I like the one by the World Health Organization because I think it really nails it. Uh, basically, they define burnout as an occupational phenomenon which means um, chronic work-related stress that has not been successfully managed. In other words, it always around something that we do. It doesn't have to be paid work. It could be a project that we are dedicated to or a, a voluntary mission. But it's constant chronic stress, so not just one time a random case. And when we don't successfully manage that stress, when it's accumulated over time, then it leads to burnout. And there are actually quite a few signs that we can uh, identify and recognize burnout. For example, uh, extreme exhaustion. You know, people can sleep well at night, but they still, they told, many people told me, we woke up still tired every day. 
This is because it's emotional exhaustion being translated into physical tiredness. You know, and there is another sign, uh, reduced productivity, reduced self-efficacy. That's when we feel uh, that we are no longer productive and our self-worth, our sense of self-worth is being reduced. And also we start to feel a little negative and even cynical towards our work, our colleagues, our boss. And that's a red flag there because we can all get frustrated every now and then. But when it's constant, that's a sign for us that something is wrong and we need to look into that. I like that you make that definition so clear that it's the constant. <coughs> Excuse me. It's, it's not that you have an episode or maybe a bad day or you have like you feel overwhelmed. It's this this consistency is what makes it such a problem. Am I interpreting? Am I hearing that right? Exactly. It's the consistency. And on top of that, it's how we perceive the situation. We all encounter stress in life. That's part of life, right? But when we perceive it as harmful and we are not equipped to deal with it in a healthy way, that's when the problem starts. It's not the stress itself. That's one of the myths around burnout. The stress itself is not a problem. It's how we deal with that that makes uh, the change here. So let's, I want to get more into the symptoms here in a second because, so we've got thousands of sales leaders all around the world listening to you right now. And and I hope that they're going to take close notes to our conversation today because this burnout thing, I think is very real. I I think it's a very real thing. Could you, you've defined it for us in a really great way. You've started to give us some symptoms can you just talk for a minute about how big the problem is, how real the problem is, and, and why it's such an important thing for us to be talking about right now? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question because when I just you know, started years ago, I thought I'll, I'll have a hard time to find those cases. And fortunately and unfortunately, it wasn't hard at all because <laughs> stories kept pouring at me from everywhere. But it just increased since then. It's a huge global, cross-sectoral, cross-cultural phenomenon to say that it's pretty much everywhere, right? And so we see high numbers, high percentages, uh, something between around, let's say, 40%. That's the recent data we have around. Wow. 40% people reported they they felt burnt out uh, occasionally. Um, The number of people who have been through burnout completely is around... 30, uh, sorry, 25 to 30%. So around third of, a little under third of the workforce um, have been experienced burnout. But what I'm concerned about is actually another data that was kind of hidden there, which is around, again, 25% of people saying that if they will keep in the same, working in the same situation, the same pace, the same emotional situation as they are now, they will get burned out. And that's, you know, that's a big red flag to tell us, what can we do now to prevent this next wave of tomorrow, tomorrow's burnout? So I want to make sure that we sit on that. I don't want to blow past that. So you said somewhere 25 to 30, roughly a third, just under a third have experienced burnout. Yes. But then there's another 20 to 25% on top of that that are saying they're going to burn out if things don't change. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So you got my attention. Um, it, I, I knew we were going to talk about some important things. I just didn't realize how prevalent it was. And, um, and, and it's getting worse, not better, from the sounds of it. 
it's getting worse and we are adding to that what happened in uh, previous year. It's actually continuing uh, with COVID because that added a lot to our plate in terms of stress, challenges, dealing with uncertainty, dealing with adversity. And like I said, the problem is not the challenges by themselves. It's how we deal with them. And there is an increase in um, the, for example, the amount of calls received in a hotline for stress and resilience and anxiety. People are anxious about the situation. And when we see that, and when we see stress keep being accumulated, we can already predict the emotional cost of mm. COVID, which could be related to burnout, obviously. So I think you've probably got the attention of a lot of these sales leaders now. So we've got people that are leading teams, they're listening to you. They're probably starting to start thinking about their team right now because I'm starting to think about the people that I coach. I'm a sales coach. And so I'm thinking about my customers and I'm starting to go through like right now, the people that I'm coaching. And I'm like, hmm, you've talked about a couple of the symptoms, chronic fatigue or a couple things. Are, are, are there like things that leaders should be looking for besides that? Like what are ways that burnout evidence itself? Because we're going to talk mostly today yeah. about how to prevent it. We're going to talk today about myths. We're going to talk about some very hands-on things they can do. But before we do, I'd love to give them like, what are some other things they should be on their, have their eyes open for as they get ready to listen to what you got to say today? Yeah, I'm happy you brought this up because that's part of the problem and the solution. Um, if leaders are more attentive to their staff, uh, we can definitely identify the problem before it gets uh, severe and prevented on time. And the things that we are looking for are not just the things that are on the surface. Like I said before, we are into deep processes here. And okay. so it's not just people being over busy. You want to look for the people who seem to be struggle. You want to look for issues with communication, broken communication, issues around trust. And those are also the root causes of burnout, the toxic environment, and people don't feel rewarded and so on, because it's not just around the workload, it's a small part of the problem. So as leaders, what we need to look for is the overall well-being of our people, right? I'm working uh, with um, several organizations, several CEOs, one of them just came to me just last week and told me I had two managers going through a really rough a physical health crisis, but I also know they were struggling in work with their teams and I'm suspecting there's a connection there. And I told them, you bet there is no mm -hmm. question here, right? So we need to look at a, at a bigger picture, at the holistic well-being here, physical, emotional, of the mind, the body, everything around that. Well, that's really interesting. I appreciate you you sharing that. We we, as we work with these sales leaders, people, one of the things that we're working on a lot right now is coaching. And last, we just barely had someone talking about they should be coaching the whole person and not the, just the salesperson. And that especially since the pandemic has hit, the focus on the whole person has become more important. Is that something that you're saying is the, is the need for more than just the job? It's, it's focusing on the person. Any thoughts well, around that before? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. If you train someone professionally, you can do wonderful work and they are well equipped to, um, in, in, in this case, sell better, right? Deal with resistance, whatever it is. But 
if their energy is depleted because their well-being was never treated well, no amount of professional tool will help them if they are exhausted and can function well. Because when we are in survival mode, when we are in survival mode, we can't innovate, we can't deal with uh, resistance, we can't, we are so tired and get caught in that emotional loop that we can we underperform and we can't solve the pressing issues that work will encounter us. So let's let's st- sit in this topic for a minute, Davida. I, I'm fascinated by this. I'm so glad you're joining us because I, I do think this is a very real thing. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking of my customers like I talked about, and I have one who just had a couple of people leave because they said that the sales job was just too much for them. They, they weren't leaving the company. They were leaving sales altogether, you know, mm-hmm. and, and right. uh, because it was too much. It was, the, the words they used were stress. So there's a lot of talk about stress and the work environment. Are stress and burnout the same? Are they like cousins? Are they related? <laughs> Are they often confused for each other? Can you talk yeah. about that a little bit? All of the above. And so uh, people, people do confuse stress and burnout. Those are definitely not the same. Okay. Uh, can, related though. So can you stress, talk about how they're different? Yeah, talk, yeah that'd course, be great. Yeah. So stress by itself is not a negative uh, state at all. It's not the problem itself. Actually, there's research showing that stress could be a positive thing because it could push you uh, forward to pursue your goal. It creates this adrenaline, this drive. And the problem starts in two occasions. One is that when we perceive stress to be negative, then we get stressed out and then it becomes a problem when we Mm. perceive it as as, uh, something negative. The second one is, like we said before, when it's constant, when it's daily, because we have not managed that well. And sometimes we have all the theory in place. We know what we need to do to manage our stress, but there's a a gap between the theory and reality because we don't have um, the right coping mechanism or the supporting system. We think we need to figure out everything by ourselves and so on. And so I said, if stress is not the problem, what is the problem? Then it's not being managed well. And that's when it leads to burnout. So the connection between the two is constant stress has not been successfully managed. We perceive it as harmful. We start to get burned out. But here comes the interesting part. It's a double loop here. So it's not just stress uh, causes burnout. It's also when we are at the verge of burnout already, that just causes more stress. And we're back in the starting point because when we are burnt out or almost burnt out, right, we can't cope well with stressful situations. And then it feels even worse. And then what usually happens, by the way, you add another layer here of guilt, uh, shame, fear around sharing that, fear around um, I'm not doing well. People have told me in their interviews, at the beginning I felt I am not doing enough. Then I felt I am not enough. So their self-identity was attached to the failure. And that's a very harmful place to be in. So the relation between stress and burnout is that they are so tied together and we need to work on that loop. We need to get our stress management way more practical and build our resilience over time 
then rush to the quick fixes that usually don't work anyway. All right. Now that's really interesting that burnout is tied to the guilt, shame, and, mm. and fear. Is this something that we need to be talking about more? So it's not like a sh- in the shadows that it's like, it's okay to feel. I mean, I know that like I'm making sure that this goes live in May so we can be, have it be part of mental health awareness month. Sounds like this has a lot to do with mental health awareness. It has a lot to do with it. And I can't state this enough, how important it is to openly talk about it. Because one of the biggest problems, especially for leaders and for entrepreneurs and for founders, is that there's a tendency to bottle up the struggles and the challenges. Because we don't want to perceive this weak, right? We don't want to lose the clients and the investors and everything. But when we don't do that, when we don't share our struggles in a proper way, in a trustworthy environment, I'm not talking about everywhere. I'm talking about finding the right place to deal with that. When we don't share that and we deal with that alone, we feel isolated. We feel lonely. We feel like we are the only one in this world dealing with it. I've interviewed one uh, founder who told me, I felt I'm no use to anyone on earth. That's a very uh, tough Mm. feeling to sit with, especially when you need to show up. She gave public interviews all at the same time when she felt totally alone in this situation of burnout. So I would say definitely encourage those conversations. Yeah, even in the workplace, you can have an emotional conversation in the workplace if it's well facilitated. If you build this openness and healthy communication, right? You can't expect as a leader, you can't expect your employee to show up the next day and um, come through your door and sit inside and say, you know what? I have a big problem. If that's the first time they are doing that. If you don't encourage that over time, you can't expect people to open up about their big problems once they occur. And that's what you want to do. You want to be there for them. You want to support them as people, not just as workers who produce things and hit their quota. I like that a lot. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm letting this all sink in and I hope our listeners are, are really taking notice of this because I think you just made a really important point that too often our self-identity as a salesperson, and I know you work with all the professions. I know you don't just limit to sales, but there's so much evidence that shows that this hits in the sales profession as much as any profession. And I think it's because of what you said, our, our self-identity too often is tied to how we do in our job. And, um, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't try to excel and I'm not saying that we shouldn't try to be the best version of ourselves. But what I like is that you're saying that we as leaders can't let someone's self-worth be tied up into, did I do good or do I do poorly? You know, because if, if it's got to be a go be, it can't be a go do, right? Go do. And if you do well, then you can feel good about yourself. No, let's go be great people and feel good about ourselves because we're great people, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and you brought up a really important point, which those two hard work and still take care of yourself are not contradicting at all. They actually go hand in hand. I'm all in for hard work. That's yeah. not the issue at all. It's a question of how do you balance that with your other human aspects, which should come into place. So 
we've talked a little bit about what happens when, when there's burnout. Do we need to be worried about like this? I'm, again, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in this because I find it so important. So forgive me if I'm wrong here. Tell, you can coach me if I'm wrong here, okay? It's not going <laughs> to hurt my feelings. Is it, sometimes does it evidence itself like maybe like it seems like it's a straw that breaks the camel's back? Like something happens that might seem like it. Why are you so upset about that? Or what's the big deal about that? It's, it's, it's not the thing that was on the pinnacle. It's the fact that it's the last thing that takes people. Is, is that, is that real? Does that, you, is that. You, you got it totally right. That's the tip of the iceberg when people break down. That's a very gradual process. And usually what happens is that stress is accumulated, as we said before, but then something triggers the situation. So there's a limit, and it's very personal to each uh, person, very individual, but there's a limit of how much we can carry and cope with. And so when we have a lot of stress and a lot of burden on our shoulders, we can deal with this, this, and that. And then all of a sudden, someone comes in and ask a very simple request. Can you please give me just 15 minutes to help me out with something? No way. How dare you? <laughs> and it's not because this is really so cool. I've heard this specific example from so many people I've interviewed. And the thing is that the problem is obviously not the request. is that we got so caught up in this unmanaged stress. We were not equipped to deal with the challenges. We did not receive the proper support. We did not feel heard, seen, valued, recognized. And so when someone walked in the door and made a very simple request, that's it. That was the, like you said, the straw for us. Mm. And that's when, you know, we break down and realize something is definitely wrong here. But obviously we want to identify that way before that happens. All right, system shaker. So let's get into the positive side of this now. All right. So what can leaders do to try and prevent it? Like, so that's what you do. You help leaders, you specialize in burnout prevention. Um, I'm not going to even get into the burnout recovery world. Maybe that's a second show. What Mm -hmm. can leaders do to try and prevent burnout from happening in the first place? And, and, yeah. be, and before you answer it, I got to ask you another question. Now you can tell me another. if I'm right or wrong. This is the second time you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. I work with sales organizations all over the place and burnout's coming up a lot. And when they bring up burnout, I always say, well, there's, you know, you know what the good news is about burnout. Before you can burn out, you got to be on fire first, right? Yeah. And, and uh, they always laugh like you just did. I'm like, you know, before you can burn out, you got to first be on fire. And so the real question is, can we keep the fire going or do we allow it to burn out? And, yeah. um, and so that's what I'm interested in. What can we do to prevent it? And is that statement I made, is that a bunch of crap or is that true? No, no, it's totally true. I love that because, you know, part of the problem, that, that's the flip side of the same coin. Sometimes people get burned out because they don't love what they do or they cause, they don't, it, it doesn't resonate with them, right? Mm. They don't feel this passion. So you can get burned out when you don't have the fire uh, or alignment with what you do. The flip side is that, yeah, you can have the passion. You can love what you do. And so many of those. But because you're so committed and you never set the boundaries, then you got burned out. That's the same fire. Mm. You just didn't manage that appropriately. You let this cross the boundaries that maintain your self-care in that process of working from your passion, from your fire. The same fire. 
All right. So how do we prevent it? What are some things that you suggest that we do to prevent it? Because there's, we have, we're doing pretty good on time, but I want us to do a time. We got about, you know, we're about halfway through the show. I want to talk about prevention and I want to get into myth busting. I I love your perspective on myth busting. So let's (laughs) talk about prevention first. Right. The first thing I would say to anyone is don't go for the quick fixes and those hacks. Those simply don't work, right? I've What's an example seen, of a quick fix? Yeah, yeah. Give us an example. So I've, I've seen, uh, I've met HR and we started talking about well-being and they told me, oh, we're doing so well. We brought in the massage chairs and the yoga vouchers for workers. Really? So if you have trust issues and broken communication, you think that the massage chair will fix that? <laughs> I, I doubt it, right? Because when you tend to those um, nice solutions, and they are nice, they yeah. don't address the root problems. I'd say mm. go for the deep process. Identify the root causes. How do we prevent burnout? We step into this process, and as I said, we identify the root problems, the root causes there, and we envision what we want, how is our ideal culture of well-being will look like. And that's really important because if you just keep, um, if you just try to keep up with what you already know, you may perpetuate the same situations. You want to really dream big about well-being. What could you know good life and work routine look like? Mm. And then you tap into those solutions to bridge the gap. And preventative actions or practices, I would say, are so very. There are so many out there. Um, healthier communication. I say to leaders, start doing daily or even weekly. If you're so busy, do weekly checkings with your employees. Can can I talk about that for a second? Yeah. yeah. So I want to apply this specifically to the sales leaders now. So Mm. one of the things I I mentioned this a little bit, it's a non-negotiable to be a great sales leader. You got to be a great coach. And, um, and I think coaching has had to change a little bit before it was all about how can I help you hit your number? But I think now your coaching needs to be about like, are you, how are you and how do you know, how do I help you be the best version of you? And it, it, it needs to be very personal and not just be very professional. Is one-on-one coaching an opportunity to help prevent burnout? One-on-one coaching is an opportunity. I'd say it should be complementary to working with the organizational culture because if those two are not in alignment, that will not work anyway. When okay. we work with people, when we work in people one-on-one and they tell us, yeah, this is all great, but tomorrow morning, I am going back to the very same system, the very same organization that contributed to my burnout. That's not helpful enough. So we need to do both. We need to work on the individual level as well as the organizational culture. But going back to your question about sales leaders, again, a really important point. So what can we do around it? And I would say challenge your definition of success. Challenge how you Mm. measure your success. Salespeople and many in other industries um, oftentimes are caught in this old thinking, old paradigm of we need to measure everything with numbers, results. Did we hit yeah. the quota, right? Did we yeah. um, get to this bottom line? But there are so many other important measurements to add to those. For example, that like we said, the personal, well, emotional and physical well-being, team collaboration, team camaraderie, so many other aspects. Resilience. Are you able to cope with 
change or adversity when it occurs. And when you start to measure those things as well, on top of the quota, on top of your results, when you measure it in a more holistic way, then you tap into the bigger picture and the person as a whole. And that's a very profound way to prevent burnout by simply challenging and then redefine your definition of success. So that's that's a very insightful suggestion because the sales world is very metrics driven. There is no doubt it's metrics driven. It's outcomes and it's effort. It's those two things. We measure effort in activities. We measure outcomes in sales. We measure outcomes in advancing opportunities. And we have to do that. We can't get away from that, but we can't, I guess, I love what you're saying. We better not limit it to that. I got another question. Should we make sure that we don't cross the streams? Like we probably shouldn't have like a personal coaching conversation and then flip and say, now let's talk about the pipeline, right? We should have stuff that's just personal or just pipeline. What do you think? I mean, can you cross those streams or is that a mistake? I'd say that it's always in every field, a problem to be too dichotomic, to separate things to um, in, in an artificial way. Okay. Because when we, come, when we come to work, we are not just workers, as we said, said before. We are people. And when we step in, we bring in our personality, you know, traits, preferences, oftentimes challenges, but also, you know, success and, and everything in that. So I'd say we cannot draw a firm line there. However, we can facilitate those conversations in a way that we leave room for both in a respectful way. So it's not just if I'm doing a check-in with my team, true story from my, from my own organization, my own team, and we have a working meeting for two hours, I will not let the check-in last for an hour and 20 minutes out of the two hours because then we won't get the work done. Right. So if we need more time to talk about things because something is going on there, I will allocate the time for that and I'll make sure that all needs get addressed, the professional, the personal, the team, the systemic, everything in there should be included. All right. So we've talked about not going for quick fixes. We've talked about having healthier uh, communication and not just business communication. We've talked about challenging how we measure success. I love Mm -hmm. all of these. Anything else on your list of ways to do prevention or, is, or are those like, if you do those, you're doing well? If you do those, you're doing well. Uh, I always like to add uh, pausing the self-judgment. Um, this is very hard. How do you do reason. that? Yeah. yeah. That sounds is, hard. I know. And this is why I said don't stop the self-judgment. It's almost, uh, you know, impossible, almost impossible. I'd say pause the self-judgment. And that requires some practice and a lot of self-observation. So every time you tend to judge, for example, yourself and others, of course, but every time you tend to do that, just pause for a minute and observe yourself, what you were about to say or even think, and then ask yourself, is this really true? Um, Is this maybe an assumption? Can I challenge this assumption? Can I uh, go and check that before making assumptions? Again, either about myself or someone else, can I um, shift this 
conversation or even formulation of words. So I won't judge myself. Can I find a solution? Can I get support? And you do that and it could just last, you know, 30 seconds, especially when you are well-practiced. I can now, you know, get into this judgmental situation, pause there, observe, think about it, and then decide what do I want to do next. It takes some practice, but once you get it, it's more natural. And that is really, really helpful so you will not get caught in this guilt, shame, and reduced self-worth situation that we mentioned before, which are so likely to contribute to burnout. So really want to try that one out, pause the self-judgment. I would suggest to people who struggle with that to either, like you said, get coached or even simpler than that, simpler than that, find an accountability partner. Some, mm. Find just one person that you trust. It doesn't have to be your boss or your spouse or your partner. Find one person that will not judge you, but will be honest with you. And you can be honest with them. And they will have your back when you need them. That's what you need. One person that you can trust that will listen to you. This is not always about them giving you an advice. This is about them listening to you in a non-judgmental judgmental atmosphere. Yeah, I love that you went there. Davida, you're like, this is even a better conversation than I thought it would be. So thank you. you. It's easy for us to have people in our circle. It's way different to have someone in your corner and having someone in your corner that, like you said, will be there for you and have your back and sometimes tell you what you need to hear. Maybe not what you want to hear, but regardless, not judge you. And uh, put, you know, I think, you know, anybody who's been through challenges has had the opportunity to learn having even one of those people, what a gift that is. Right. Mm. And as leaders, we need to try to be that person for our people that we lead too. I would imagine. Yes. Yes. And this is oftentimes a mutual accountability and, and I love when it happens because it's such a positive feedback loop. Yeah. I'm thinking about a lot of the guests that I've had in our show so far this year and, and the customers that I'm working with, if I was to say there was a word that like seems to be like the common word, it's about connection right now, connection more than correction. Right. Mm. And, and, um, and, and I love what you're saying because you're making me realize that connection goes even deeper than perhaps I thought. Those are, those are five really great ways for prevention. What do you think gets in the way of leadership teams from adopting this? I think I know what I think it is, but I'd love to hear your take. Because as you say it, I'm like, yes, we need to do that. Yes, we need to do that. Mm-hmm. Yes, we need to do that. But then we don't always do that. So what, what, right. stops, what stops people from doing that? Yeah, I can imagine a few things, but I want to point out two that I recognize uh, often. First one is prioritization. Mm-hmm. When we prioritize pretty much every other business aspects other than well-being or stress management or or communication, when we don't prioritize that, we can say all the time that it's important, but our actions say something different, right? And it's not enough for leaders to say, we really care about our people. You need to prioritize that if you want to make change in that sphere. So I tell you prioritization and dedicated time to make well-being and healthy communication happen. So that's the first gap that I see here, mm. a lack of prioritization to take real action. 
And the second one is that we are all, myself included, sometimes I fall into those traps. We all oftentimes get caught in old fashion thinking and, you know, old paradigms and even narratives. And we tell ourselves that our, for example, worth is coupled with outcomes, with results, that we need to prove ourselves constantly, um, that we, we don't even tell ourselves, but then we do it, we seek external approval. But when we keep doing that, we are not system shakers. We are the, the yes sayers. We perpetuate the problematic situation. So if you are asking me about huge leadership gap, I would say is to dare to do something really different than the old paradigm and thinking around how organizations should be, what, what is the real mission and purpose, which is, to, in my opinion, not just around the bottom line productivity, this is about contributing something good to the world. And how can you contribute something good if your people are not well? Yeah. So I'd say challenge that thinking, that old narrative. This is why we are leaders, to shake things up, to lead a new way. All right. I could keep going, but I have about 10 minutes left and I want to get into myths. Awesome. So like this was awesome and I could have stayed there, but I really think... Like, let's now have the sales leadership version, sales leadership podcast, Myth, Mythbusters edition right now, okay? And so <laughs> what, what, what are some myths that exist right now around burnout that you've seen affect organizations that are worth talking about here? Yeah, the first one is that workload is the primary and mainly cause of burnout. Wrong. Not at all. Wow, okay. We, yeah. I mean, that's part of the list. There are pretty much six areas or common areas that uh, usually cause burnout. Workload is one of them. I'd say it's not the most uh, common one, even though people really like to think uh, like that. I've met people who work many hours on multiple projects and they were thriving. And I've met people who were just half of it and were literally collapsing because there are other reasons when we are in misalignment with the cause we are working for, when we are not rewarded properly, when we are not acknowledged, when we don't receive the support, we cover that. Those are more, way more common and prevalent causes of burnout. So it's really not about the workload. And that's, uh, that's I think, something really important for leaders to understand. It's not necessarily to reduce the workload as this to provide proper support and acknowledgement and excitement, you know, some excitement there for people mm. working towards their goals. Another myth is around, I've just heard this yesterday. It actually got me quite angry. All right, <laughs> someone, let's hear it. Now you got me interested. Someone wrote, someone wrote, ah, burnout is for people who hate their job. Wrong, totally wrong. People could love. Playing, seriously love their work, being really passionate about it. You touched upon that earlier with the fire. Right. People can love their work and still get burnt out if they don't set self-boundaries. Right? That happened during COVID all the time. Boundaries were dissolving all the time. You work from home. Where is home? Where is personal life? Where is work? This could be handled well 
if you set boundaries, if you know what you care about, if you know when and how and politely say no, and also what to say yes to. So you can love your work, you can be committed and still be in the likelihood of getting burned out if you're not aware of those signs. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. And what I love the most is watching you get fired up and animated as you talk <laughs> about this one. Now, for, for our members of my Patreon community that who get the video of this as well, they'll see it. The, uh, they're going to see, like, you lit up like a Christmas tree oh, when you okay. talked about that. You're, you're, the, the passion you had around that one in particular is very interesting yeah. to me. Um, and so that, that must be a myth that you bump into with some frequency and I've heard it. Yeah. I mean, that, that's why I, you hear me say, Hey, you got to be on fire before you burn out. And so I, I love that you, that that's something else. That's your second myth. Um, so those are two big ones. Any, any other ones? Yeah. I, I want to also touch upon maybe even briefly about, uh, I want to touch upon balance that uh, one of the myths is that we need to uh, maintain work-life balance. Mm. Now that's not wrong, but it's also not entirely true or updated. I'd say it's not totally updated, especially after recent years, because okay. sometimes you can't separate, especially if you're an entrepreneur and you want to be really realistic. And also, I've discovered that sometimes it's nice to blend the two. So I'd suggest go for work-life blend or work-life harmony. I love involving all my family in my work. Poor people here. Uh, we yeah. keep talking about this all the time, as long, again, as it's done healthy. So I would suggest a different type of balance. Why would instead of work-life balance, go for more personal, accurate, customized balance which is around, observe, again, tons of observations here. Observe yourself and your routines. Okay. And then, and then balance that, complement that with practices or activities that are not part of your work or daily routine. So, for example, if I work all day long in front of the computer, I want to balance that with being outside after work or meet people, you know. Or if I work in a very noisy, hectic environment, I want to balance that with, with some, I don't know, quiet time, listening to music, whatever it is, but choose your own balance. So this highly individual and personal. It takes some self-exploration, but it's totally worth it to tailor your own balance that meets your own needs. So I'm glad you brought up balance. I think that that has been thrown inside out and upside down. Because everybody's working at home, like everybody's, we're now being brought into everybody's homes with all these Zoom calls that we're doing now, and and so many people are working from home that weren't, or it's always working at home when it used to be sometimes working at home, and so that line between professional and personal has never been blurrier than it is right now. It oh, is, correct. in fact, it's almost non-existent. In, in many in many cases, and uh, and I think you're smart to say let's look at a different definition of balance. I I I, I have my own that I, I have that I want to ask you this one. I, you know, I haven't ever asked a burnout expert on this, so I'm going to ask you one that you don't expect me to ask. So I hope that it's okay because we only have a couple more minutes, but I want to ask you this. Go the balance that I look at is a balanced framework of there's stress factors in the work that can only be balanced by passion factors in my mind. Mm. And you can't take stress out of the work. You just can't take it out. It's always going to be there. You can yes. try to minimize it, but it's going to, that's why we call it work and not play. Okay. Mm. And 
I felt like the only way you can get balance in that is if you inject more passion factors uh, and try to have those balance out the stress factors. Any, any thoughts around that? Do you, I mean, yes, I, I, I love it, but I would make it a stool uh, standing on three or four or even five legs. Okay. And so, yeah, so you have the stress and you're totally right. There is no stress-free work environment. There is no stress-free life that just not exists. We need to learn to manage that, right? Right. So, yeah, you can balance that with passion as well as add another leg to this tool, support system, have a solid support system. Balance that with nourishing activities because you can be passionate, like we said before, and stress out. But if you don't have some nourishing activities there, there's something missing, mm. right? So mm. I, I add just more legs to this tool so the balance is more complete. You really want to embrace to foster this holistic perspective about yourself as a person who's doing creative work. Sales is creativity, in my personal opinion. Yeah, for sure. Right? You need to be so creative there. Um, so, yeah, you want to balance that with all those inner resources, external resources, passion, time for yourself, time for exploration. All those could come in place be integrated, weaved in as a holistic um, way of being. Love it. Sorry to, sorry to take us away from the myths, but when you talked about balance, it reminded me of my balance framework thoughts. Yeah, so, I think it's right on, on spots, yeah. So you said there was four, though, I think. It was, so those are three, balance. Was, was there a fourth or am I wrong? Well, uh, unintentionally, we touched on the fourth several times, which is the stress is not a negative thing as well as uh, there's this myth around, I want a stress-free life or work. That's a big myth. I've heard so many people telling me at the beginning of our training, we always check in with the entire team and people keep telling me, all right, so one of my aspirations is to create a stress-free work environment. Let's get to work. And I say, no, 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 I'm sorry. We're not going to do that. (laughs) We're going to learn together and practice together to manage stress. We cannot expect a stress free work and life. I like that. Stress can only be managed. It can't be removed. That's well said. That's really well said. Thank you. Okay. We are running up on it. Let's finish this up. Let's put a bow on it. And then I'm going to ask you a couple questions that I ask everyone. Um, Do you have any final thoughts that for sales leaders to make sure that she or he, you know, anything you should like stop doing or start doing, is there like a final thought or two that you'd like to summarize this conversation with? Hmm. I'd say um, something which could be also uh, general, but definitely applicable to salespeople is that don't afraid to challenge your aspirations and how you measure fulfilling them. I'd say just challenge them all. It's fun, creative, and very healthy. You know, that's a good process there. Love it. Davida, you're awesome. You got ready for rapid fire? Three quick questions? I'm so ready. (laughs) Okay, let's do it. Biggest leadership challenge you see right now, and how do you beat it? Uh, Being fixated on all narratives, and I would beat that by, again, question everything, but also open up to other industries, experiences, uh, you know, um, be very multidisciplinary in that sense, to to be very curious. Love it. Curious as a leader. Yeah. Okay. When you're building teams, is there like a 
characteristic that you look for most of all, or maybe something when you're interviewing, like a go-to concept that has helped you for as you build your teams? Yeah, when I did mine, I always looked for open-mindedness, uh, you know, it. willingness to learn and curiosity, as we just said, because they don't have to know it all, but if they're curious and open enough to learn, then we're good to go. Awesome. Last one. We found that leaders are readers. And as leaders uh, go down their journey, uh, they're always looking to get better and, and more. And of course, we're going to suggest that everybody reads your book. Uh, but what's something that you might suggest to our leaders that they get their hands on and consume if they want to continue down their journey? Mm. I'll suggest one of my favorite books, which is not a conventional leadership book, but I found it so helpful in that sense. And this is Reason for Hope by Jane Goodall. Ooh. I love Jane Goodall. Uh, Reason for specific- Hope? Reason for Hope. Um, This book is a bit old now, but so still relevant. This is the beautiful part of it. This is um, timely truth around how we perceive the world as leaders without the fancy titles, but with true passion to make change every single day. I love Jane Goodall. I love her book, Reason for Hope. You're amazing. Those are great suggestions. I appreciate it. She is Davida. She has written the book on burnout. She is helping us avoid burnout and and, and create better work experiences for people all around the world. Davida, how do people get more of you? How do they get your book? How do they connect with you? How do they reach out if they Mm -hmm. want to talk more about burnout? How, How do they get more of what you have to offer? Yeah, thank you. It's been such a pleasure. So the uh, quickest way to connect me is either on LinkedIn, I'm literally there every day, um, and also through my website, davidaginter.com. My book, Burning Out Won't Get You There, is available on Amazon and also now as an audiobook. We just recorded the audiobook version and it's available pretty much everywhere. But Congratulations. Also, That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it's been uh, quite a journey there. <laughs> Uh, but again, also through my website, davidaginter.com. All right, Davida Ginter, she is the system shaker, helping people avoid burnout all around the world. Davida, thank you so much for joining us and sharing some of your insights and your passions. And as I say to everyone, happy selling. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Rob. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? How great was that conversation with Davida? Burnout is a huge, and I mean huge, problem in the sales world right now. Our job is hard, and too often we have people that feel they aren't getting anywhere, and they're that hamster on the spinning wheel. And that's one of the reasons I'm just so proud to be working with Scipio, because they help you connect with your customers and create serious improvement in creating meaningful connections. I've had some leaders tell me they see up to a 40% improvement in show rate just by using Scipio. And 40% is a number so big, I'm telling you, you can't afford not to check it out. The reason is simple. It's because text messaging is the very best way to interact with clients and schedule more appointments. And Scipio's platform, well, it's the most powerful and most personal one that I've ever seen. And the tech just flat out works. I know because I use it. And it's just that simple. Every week, I have more sales leaders I'm working with tell me how Scipio's text platform is transforming, how they interact with their prospects, how they're creating meetings that hold, and how customers are actually appreciative of the interaction. 
And with more meetings that hold, you're going to have more opportunity to see your reps improve, create more coachable moments, and ultimately, it will help you avoid that burnout that we just talked about. So if you're looking to engage with your clients and also working to get more prospects to your demos or discovery meetings, start using Scipio. I know the team personally. I know they'll give you an amazing experience. Take advantage of a free month with no strings. Compliments of me at the Sales Leadership Podcast. Head to Scipio.com and use the promo code SPRINGFREE. That's S-P-R-I-N-G-F-R-E-E. You're going to be blown away how quickly the right texting platform can change the game for the members of your team. Now, this podcast is also brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. Listen, companies have spent billions on sales training, sales tools, and sales process, but those same companies have left leaders on their own to figure out what the sales leadership model needs to look like. And while there's no shortcuts to success, I promise you, you'll get there faster if you take the most direct route. If you like the content of this podcast, you're going to love the content in the community I have for sales leaders. I call it Sales Leadership United. I host it on Patreon. It's got some of my very best content, you know, well over a hundred hours of training and training materials, and, and you're going to find what you need in my Patreon community. And if you've never had a coach in your coach in your in your corner, now's a really great time to give it a try. The greatest performers of the world in every discipline they all invest in themselves. Save your most precious resource, your time. Let me help you add some method to your leadership madness. Provide structure, provide content, and most of all, give you a coach that helps you navigate the sales leadership maze faster than you ever thought possible. Now, there's a ton of reasons why burnout has become such a very real challenge. It's really been accelerated with all the changes that have happened with COVID. And so I've been on the lookout for a burnout expert for a little while now, and I'm really appreciative that I found Davida and that she agreed to join me. Her work on the topic is super strong. I would encourage you to go read it, follow it, dig into it, even reach out to her because she is full of knowledge. I hope you found her insights helpful. This is a topic that if you're not taking it seriously, you need to. The changes from the last year have resulted in very important challenges that you've got to be on the lookout for as sales leaders. Davida shared us several things to watch for, signs of burnout. These are things you can absolutely notice. But the fact that 40% of experienced burnout and another 25 to 30% are saying that they are approaching burnout needs to get your attention. It is a super big deal. This is an episode you're going to want to go back and listen to a time or two. I've always thought that the most positive thing about this topic is that before you can burn out, you've got to be on fire first. And so that means it's our job as leaders to keep that fire burning. And I think it's a really interesting way to look at it. It makes it so it's not so much of a taboo topic. Instead of how do I prevent burning out, it's how do I keep the fire burning? And and how do I throw fuel on that fire that keeps them pumped and, and engaged and growing? And so a lot of people think it's about removing stress, and I'm glad Davida brought that up. Stress alone is not the problem. And there's really no such thing as a stress for your workplace. It just comes with the territory. And while we can reduce stress and we can minimize it, we can't eliminate it. It's just not possible. Um, that's why we call it work and not play. But the yin to the yang of burnout, that's passion. And while there are a lot of stress factors in any job, there are also passion factors. And if you think about the relationship between passion and stress like a scale, like maybe the scales of justice, uh, it's easy for you to start thinking about trying to balance passion and stress. And you can do only so much to relieve stress, but you can double down on those passion factors. 
And we should be able to relate to that as sales leaders because we're right smack dab in the middle of that world of how do we create profitability for companies. And there's only two ways. You can either reduce expenses or you can build sales. And we've all seen how difficult it is to save our way to profitability. You've got to invest and you've got to have that be an expense so you can sell your way to profitability. And it's the exact same thing with passion factors. And if you think about it that way, this should be something that you can get excited about. I've spent a lot of time diving into this, particularly recently, as I have a lot of customers that are asking me about it. And every person's going to have different passion factors. As a sales leader, you really need to learn what those passion factors are for each member of your team. You need to learn what their strengths are that they're most confident in. There's a lot of things you need to be able to know so you can create plans that will leverage passion factors rather than create stress factors. This is a really important topic. This is one that if you ever want to reach out to, this is a really good topic for us to be talking about. Because what I've learned is most of the time, passion factors are very inexpensive and very easy to leverage. And on top of that, I think my favorite one is unexpected rewards. Unexpected rewards is one of my very favorite passion factors because It's a simple thing to do. It's just something that shows that that rep is appreciated, that they're recognized for their day-to-day effort, not for just doing something massive or Herculean, not for hitting a key deal, but just because you caught them doing something good. I'm having a ton of people starting to talk to me about this great resignation. There's a hashtag on it. There's articles every day on it. They're predicting this great resignation as people are forced to come back to work. Now, there's a lot of things that you can do to help people safe and feel empowered and maybe most of all to feel like you're the right person to be their leader. And as you get ready to address this, as you're thinking about how you're going to be changing, making changes in your workplace, here are three things I think you should be thinking about. Number one is flexibility in both how and where they do their job. Uh, we've already learned that working from home works. Um, give them flexibility to where they do their job, but don't be afraid to give them flexibility in how. That's going to be something that becomes a passion factor. Intentional improvement is another passion factor. If they know you got their back, if you know they know what they aspire to, if if they know you know what they want, if they know you've got their interests in mind, uh, then you can create well-lit pathways to success. You can can shine light into the fog, and, and that's a passion factor to find ways to become better. And the final one is experiences. You know, find ways to create moments that matter. Experiences are the things that will make you legendary. Don't just share information. Get out of the information business. Be in that experience business. Um, care enough that you turn things into an experience. And I don't care whether it's how you help them win or how you help them fuel their development or in how you help them with meetings, trainings, events. Create experiences. And, and, and the easiest way to do that is to transform them from a spectator to a participant and to give them something to look forward to. Now, to wrap it up, May's Mental Health Month. Please take this month to, to take the time to emphasize the entire person, not just the salesperson. The last year has taken a huge toll on those you work with. Show them you care about them more than just their production. That in and of itself is a passion factor. So, Davida, thank you so much for joining us this week. What an important topic, and what a great expert you are. I hope each of us goes back listens to Davida, takes some good notes, and really gives us some consideration. She gave us some really important introductions to ways that you can prevent burnout on your team. And I'm telling you, this is something you absolutely can have an impact with as a leader. Bring it into your one-on-ones. Talk about it in your team meetings. Shoot, connect with Davida. Get a hold of her book. You know, It's a great starting place on this important topic. And then after you've done that, take action. The stakes are just too high not to.
I want to also send out some thanks to Scipio. If you haven't done so already, make sure you head over to Scipio.com and take advantage of their free one-month trial by using the offer for yourself. Communicate with your prospects the way they want to be communicated to. Find out all about it by using the promo code SPRINGFREE and then watch your results change faster than you may have thought possible. Finally, thanks to each of you, our listeners. Listen, if you like this episode, please give us a five-star review on iTunes. It's, it's, it's the greatest compliment you can give us is to give us those reviews and to tell your friends to listen to the podcast. Those things go a long way in helping me continue to get the best, show, the best guests in the world on the show. So thanks to each of you. I want to remind you to be elite, live strong, chase your passion, and don't worry, just execute because we got you. Thank you so much for joining the Sales Leadership Podcast, the award-winning sales leadership podcast for those sales leaders looking to create legendary impact to those they lead. The greatest compliment you can give is to share this show and any of your favorite episodes with your fellow sales leaders, social media followers, or other communities you're part of. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. If you want to discuss any of the topics discussed on the show, want to level up your leadership impact, discuss executive coaching services, or even include me at an upcoming event, hit me up at rob at jetpg.com. That's rob at jeppg.com. And to those of you working to become a legendary sales leader, I salute you and wish you much success on your journey. Whenever you need someone in your corner, you know where to find me.